This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. I'm Alex McCauley. I'm Max Fosford. And I am Grant Colmini. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding bowing to no one. On today's episode, we will be conversating and reviewing the latest Warner Brothers and HBO Max release, Godzilla vs. Kong. Intimidation displays, sign language, a journey to the center of the earth, and the importance of defibrillators all covered next here on ETI. But first, let's hear from one of our pals at the Chatter Network. I'm Amelia Sanson. And I'm Liz Ball. And we're the hosts of The Holy Hour. A podcast where we talk about modern dating, sex, and life in general. It's like hanging out with your girlfriends who say the things you think in private, but out loud on a public podcast. (laughs) So join us for The Holy Hour, a Chatter Network podcast, available wherever you like to listen. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) I like that a lot. Okay, guys, a lot to unpack here on this review episode, but I want to start first with the SAG Awards. This past Sunday, the Screen Actors Guild handed out their annual awards, and we were able to gleam a little more insight as to where the Academy Awards may be headed. So a quick recap, the SAGs don't crown a best picture. Instead, their highest achievement is for outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture. That honor went to the trial of the Chicago 7, surprisingly, And that certainly makes this film much more of a contender for Best Picture than it previously was. The performance of Chadwick Boseman and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom continued to collect recognition in the Best Actor category, while his running mate in that film, Viola Davis, snagged Best Actress, making the race for that award at the Oscars even more interesting. Daniel Kaluuya continued his run at Best Supporting Actor, and Yoo Jung-yoon surprised many by winning Best Supporting Actress, something we loved seeing from Minari edging out more familiar actors such as Glenn Close and Olivia Colman. The final film honor recognized by the SAGs was the best stunt performance, performance, which went to Wonder Woman 1984. Fairly easy to pick once you look at the other nominees that it was compared with, but I feel like we're going to have something to say about that one here in a minute. So what did we learn from this and what does it mean going forward? Uh well, we, we love seeing Viola Davis and uh, Eugene Young uh, win. So we're, we're hoping that's going to carry over to the Oscars. I would love to see both of those ladies uh, take uh, Golden Statues home. 
Um, other than that, Daniel Kalua and and Chadwick Boseman seem to be locked up. Agreed. In, in that race, um, you know the outstanding performance by a cast. It's it's disheartening to see Chicago win or Chicago seven win. Um, it was up against the Five Bloods. The Five Bloods would have been really cool to see take that home. Bloods, that would have been I mean, really, Minari, yeah. Ma Rainey's. I, I feel like Chicago Seven won because they have names that you recognize, as opposed to they have more names that you recognize than these other films. And so, we can't forget the SEGs are actors voting for other actors. Yeah. That's the interesting thing about this. Yeah, I don't but, like it. And then my point with that is I'm glad that Trial of the Chicago 7 won something because I feel like there's so many other just better movies that are going to just cloud over it. So I'm glad that it did win, but I still agree with you guys that it, it is a weird win with what it was up against. I, I'm I'm not upset about it, but it's also like, hey, I don't know how you slithered in, but good for you. Because <laughs> guess what? You're probably not going to win much else. Well, let's hope. I, I just hope it's not like a... Like some writing on the a, wall yeah, now all right, of a sudden. Right. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know how accurate this, the SAGs are when, when it comes to Like what's to the best, correlation yeah, between Best, best Ensemble and Best Picture? And then I will say like that removed, that one award, everything else that came up Part besides one other thing that I'll talk about here in a second is I, I'm starting to realize that the SAG awards are almost more valuable than the Oscars, that having these actors and these other people in their craft comment on their peers, I think means a lot more when it comes to these individual awards, when it comes to that. So to me, looking at that, especially over the past few years and trial of the Chicago seven winning like as much as I agree with you guys, it's like we're like really, but then at the same time, it's like, well, dude, if they if they say it, then maybe 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 we're not seeing something that they did, or or vice versa. But I, I, I'm sat I'm satisfied with a lot of the winners. Uh, yeah, my biggest thing about um, you know wishing that it was another film like Defy Bloods in particular is that the trial of the Chicago Seven, although it might get shut out at the Oscars, well, you know, time will tell. It got the recognition with right. nominations. Minari got recognition with nominations and is building a lot of steam. Mm -hmm. Defy Bloods got completely shut out by the Oscars for the most part. And so to see it, potentially if we could have seen it pick up this award, that would have been something cool for Spike and the crew to hang their hat on. But just it didn't happen. Yeah. Everything else, though, yeah. Um, the Best Actress race. So, um, you know, we had um, – oh, who was it for – the um, Globes, the one drama that really surprised everybody. It was um, the Billie Holiday actress. Mm -hmm. She's not even here. And she wasn't even here. Yeah. What's her name? Gosh. Andre, uh, Andrea, Andrea Day. Andrea Day. Yeah. Andrea yeah. Day. Um, and so the fact that she won at the Globes, Viola now wins at the SEGs. And the consensus was that like it was kind of Frances McDormand's to lose there for a minute. And then the fact that um, Promising Young Woman and Carrie Mulligan started to make some noise. That's probably going to be the the most anticipated, most watched race at the Academy Awards. I would say going forward now. All right, talk talk to us about stunts, Grant. So I'm really upset about this. <laughs> I like this is the one that I saw that one where I said how because so it, for best performance from a stunt team, stunt coordination, stunt performance, Wonder Woman 1984 won, and yes, there are some pretty cool acrobatic especially the mall scene there's some great there, there, there's some great shots but christopher nolan did not crash a plane into a warehouse and have his stunt coordinator teach people how to fight backwards 
for Wonder Woman with a lasso being propped up on a green screen to win fucking best stunts. Like and it's it, not even here though. It's it's and that's the thing that blows my mind is how when you look at the practicality that Nolan does, when you look at what the SAG award stands for, it makes no sense to me. So as much as what I said before of like I like the SAG awards, this part frustrates me a little bit. To where I think way more thought went into the production of these fights and stunts in this one movie that didn't get recognized. And then Wonder Woman, all I can think of is the mall scene. I don't think of any other big stuff. There's that just happened. the, there's the, the, uh, car the car chase in Egypt. And that's the and, only other real set piece. All green screen. It's all, all green, green screen, screen, all CGI to work. Like no one is entirely practical effects. The final fight in Tenet, all those people you see are real people. Not only are they real people, they're military people. They're people trained to do the things that are meant to be done. So it looks realistic. Tenet, if if it did anything right, was the stunts, the fight scenes, all of that. And so to me, this is just a huge snub and a big just overlook of what will I I will put money down on now. Five years from now, we can come back to this episode that this is drastically criminally overlooked as some of the best stunts that have ever been done in a movie d- d- besides the John Wick movies. Cause I think those are probably the best we've ever seen, mm. but this one was just unreal of when you watch the behind the scenes and you see what they did backwards. It's, it's unreal. Well, I like that too, because this is going to be, this is going to become a more and more legitimate conversation each year because of what the John Wick movies have done. Exactly. And that, that is the spark of this movement of the stunt teams being, being taken recognized. more seriously. Yeah. And, and, and then testament to the Marvel cinematic universe, especially with the TV shows they're doing stunt teams are getting more and more recognition as they deserve because when you, there's some, there's some big action movies where those actors did nothing. Mm-hmm. And their stunt doubles should deserve all the praise. But here we are. Yep. All right. Let's pivot to a movie that will never win any SAGs or Oscars. <laughs> but that or have it... any human stunts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, it's certainly, so far, the signature movie event of 2021. I am, of course, talking about Godzilla versus Kong. So let's start here. We're going to kind of jump ahead just real quick. We won't do the whole thing, but... If we're doing our top of the lineup category already, which team are you batting for? Were you guys going into this movie Team Kong or Team Godzilla? Uh, I'm a, I'm a Godzilla, Godzilla kid through and through. Uh, King Kong's great. Love the 1933 King Kong. Uh, but Godzilla, I grew up watching watching that stuff and and playing with those those toys. I've I've been a King Kong fan since I was a kid. I I loved I loved the classic Kong. I loved the Peter Jackson rendition. Anytime there's a movie with a giant ape, even if it's Kong or not, sign me up. Skull Island is one of my favorite just B action movies. So I was super hyped for this. So I am 100% Team Kong going into this movie. I'm Kong as well. Um, You know, Godzilla is really cool. And I remember liking the Matthew Broderick 1998 version or whatever uh, growing up as a kid. But that's before I realized that, like, that's just a crap movie, though. um, (laughs) My birthday party was uh, going to see that. Oh, yeah. My eighth birthday party. I still have an action figure of that Godzilla. I I believe. The the weird new design that they did. I had one of those as well. (laughs) Um, But no, I've been Kong ever since. um, Yeah, Kind of just, I've been a gorilla guy yeah. ever since movies like Congo and Mighty Joe Young and other things for, like that. For me, that. it goes back to the N64 game of Rampage. 
And I was always, I was always the gorilla. I was always I the I was ape. always the lizard. Yeah. There you go. See, and there it is. <laughs> Um, all right, so now that the lines have been drawn in the sand, uh, what like what is your guys' grant? I know you just talked about how you really like Kong School Island. I've kind of been in your corner defending that as just like a really fun guilty pleasure of a movie yeah. before. Um, so what what's what would you guys say your relationship is with the MonsterVerse? How serious do you think that this should – not maybe serious isn't the right word, but how legitimate is this as a movie franchise? And do we now think that this is the best installment of the franchise? Well, I've always been an advocate from the very beginning of this show of saying I love analyzing movies for what they are. Like, you know, you can't compare Godzilla versus Kong to The Godfather or The Shining or anything like that as far as what makes a good movie. It's a horse of a different color. Yeah, exactly. So the the monster universe I love for what it is. It's the same reason I will still go and see the Fast and the Furious movies. I know they're stupid, ridiculous, dumb, bad movies, but guess what? I'll pay – 15 bucks to go see it every time because I'm going to be satisfied. There's going to be some aspect that reaches that. And I, I love that of what I call the, the, the modern day B movies. And I think the monster universe is trying to compete for no pun intended, the king of that, that genre of creating these movies of, they tried it with Godzilla 2014 of making it a drama centric, having the monster be a plot point rather than the character didn't get perceived well, but they greenlit greenlit a sequel of Kong skull Island. And that was one of the best, like I've said multiple times, one of the best B movies I've ever seen. It's great. Although it feels like it came out of nowhere too, because of the reception behind the 2014 Godzilla. Exactly. To where, yes, it's set in more, you know, it's Vietnam times in the Vietnam times, yeah. so it's technically a prequel. Nineteen seventy three, I believe. But then, but then, even the human aspect, unlike the two thousand fourteen, unlike you know, Kings of Monsters, the Godzilla Kings of Monsters sequel does a better job of making the humans more centric. And then we'll get to what the humans do in this the movie we're going to talk about. But Kong Skull Island, like the humans, actually drive the story. It's Kong is the main character while also the supporting. Like you, you care about all these guys. In it, and so I love this movie for what it is. Is it a good movie? No. Is Godzilla vs. Kong a good movie? No. But it's entertaining. I will watch it over and over again because I love, you know, the parts of it that are fucking great for a, a monster movie of a giant ape and a giant lizard fighting each other in Hong Kong. <laughs> That's some of the best cinematic experiences I've ever seen. But the overall sense of it, is it a good movie with the story and the plot point? No, 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 it's not. So is it the best in this monster universe? No, but it's worth a watch. It's it's fun. Yeah, when you're talking about just the legendary franchise, right? That That's the company who has done this franchise from Godzilla 2014 through all, all the way to Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, it's... And we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, in the legacy. But uh, as far as compared to, like, older Godzilla or older King Kong movies, um, and and this is just me as an old man on a hill, but I need more – I found myself – I've watched this movie three times now, and I found myself just needing more – physicality in, in, in the monsters, you know, the, they look amazing in CGI, but there's something about those eighties and nineties and, and going even back further to like sixties and forties where like, you know, it's a guy in a suit, but like, it, it just makes it, I don't know, more, 
I guess it's just nostalgic, but it just makes it a little bit more uh, palatable to 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 take in. Um, I find myself kind of like almost overwhelmed when I'm watching these these legendary movies. And it's interesting too because when Godzilla came out in 2014, I remember being super disappointed into it, it, it uh, in it. Yeah, but like well, you only saw like 14 minutes of Godzilla. Right, in that, no, movie. that is the exact amount of screen time. Right, he has. but but compared rewatching it. Compared to Kingdom Monsters, Skull Island, and uh, Zilla vs. Kong, like it's it it actually is like a movie. It's got something to say. Like I, I really like the the deeper meaning of these monsters, where you know Godzilla is 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 about nuclear war- warfare and 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 nuclear power, and and Kong is about you know colonialism and 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 uh, you know racism even. Um, so uh, it's hard. Yeah, you're right. It's not a good movie. It's, it's a spectacle to see on, on the big screen. If you get a chance to go see it on the big screen. Um, and, and the fights are, you know, they're satisfying and, and they listened to the fans where they were like, make the movie shorter, make the fights longer. I mean, they definitely do that. Um, but you know, I I don't know if it's going to be put up on a pedestal with some of these other other Godzilla King Kong movies uh, that we've gotten in the past. Well, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, here we are. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about this movie, first (laughs) of all. This will probably be as serious as we get. Um, But, I mean, like, I'm here right now in my fucking Criterion shirt, and Criterion (laughs) last year released their entire Godzilla box set. Like, these were movies that even though, yes, they had that hokey feel to them, you know, it's the reason why you go back and you watch like um, old football players and basketball players from the 70s and 80s and stuff. And you're like, they weren't the best guys, but they were some of the first to do spectacular things. Right, and that's right, what right. those movies, the old Godzilla movies, the old King Kongs, that's what those provided. That's why right. they are in these boutique legacy collections as far as home video goes. Um, and so, yeah, that is a far cry from where we are now. But still a lot of fun. Um, so Godzilla and King Kong is written by Eric Pearson and Max Bordstein with story credits going to Zach Shields, Terry Rossio, and then Godzilla, King of Monsters director, Michael Dotri. Dotri passed the MonsterVerse directing torch to Adam Wingard for this film. Wingard is someone who we are big fans of here on the show, thanks to his past work on films like Your Next mm-hmm. and the first two VHS movies. Have you watched Your Next yet, Grant? Oh, yes. Okay. We'll have that ready or not um, conversation later then. Um, so Godzilla vs. Kong is shot by Ben Saracen, who hasn't worked on too many films, only 23 DP credits to his name, but some real bi- bright spots, including Unstoppable, the Tony Scott uh, runaway train film, and World War Z. Music by Tom Holkenborg. A big moment for Junkie XL right now. When yeah, you, huge, what? huge couple. Months I was just for gonna say guy. when you consider, yeah, the music back to back on the Snyder Cut as well, um, and we'll of course talk more about the music when we get to that section of our review. But anything else you want to say real quick about your guy? I mean, uh, Junkie has just been on a, a hot streak. I mean, he going back to the Snyder Cut redid it. When it got greenlit. So he spent the last year not only perfecting his Godzilla vs. Kong soundtrack, but completely rewriting the 60-track, four-vinyl-long <laughs> soundtrack that was the Snyder Cut. So Junkie has been busy. And if you don't know this guy, I mean, he did Mad Max, Fury Road. He did this the sequel to 300 that gets widely overlooked. 
and has a great soundtrack to where I constantly forget that that movie even exists. And Zack Snyder wrote it and Tom Hogenborg was the music behind it. This guy not only nailed it with the Snyder Cut, but for this soundtrack, for what it was, for this type of movie, it was exactly what I Well, and wanted. he's been a phenomenal live DJ performing at festivals and stuff no, like that exactly. around the world for and that, and over what, like two decades now. It, I think. It, it's crazy. It's it's fun to see him now in these two movies to make the transition from being credited as Junkie XL to credited as Tom Holkenborg. As you can see what he wants to do is more movie scores. So like Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross just gonna say. transcending genres, transcending like musical platforms. I just want to see Tom Holkenborg be the new Hans Zimmer. He, do, we, do we know what he's doing next? I, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, I know he's probably got something in the, in his back pocket. I assume with Zack Snyder moving forward with what he wants to do with Knights of the round table, that he's going to, you know, tap into him. If not Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer, I feel like is trying to. You've said this before. He's grooming him. He's grooming him. He's he's his protege. They they've constant constantly referred to each other as mentor, mentee, protege, so on and so forth. I honestly feel like Hans Zimmer is trying to fade away a little bit. I think he's trying to not do as many movies as he's done, which has been back to back to back. Oh, Hans he's Zimmer slow. would crank out like ten films in a exactly. year. Exactly. So yeah. I think he's, he's trying to slow down and trying to fill that gap with. With Junkie XL, with Tom. So he's, I'm excited. He's about to do a back to back to back because he's the composer on Army of Dead. Of the Dead. No, Junkie, Junkie XL? Yeah. Okay, Which so. Which is Zack I, Snyder's next movie yes. coming out on Netflix. And I, I didn't know that until now. And I'm super <laughs> excited about it because like, I've been so caught up in so many other things so that not only makes so much sense, but it makes me so excited. No, I mean, we already pay a ton of attention to the opening credits when that music spot comes up. And so to see his name now is going to be something that I look forward to in every movie. Well, then especially of this ilk. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're fans like us, he's a great person to follow on social media because he will drop snippets of his soundtracks. He did for Godzilla versus Kong where he's like, Hey, guess what? Hey, you want to hear God Godzilla's theme? Bam, here it is. So I assume he'll drop something for Army of the Dead or whatever he's working on next because the guy's great. I love the guy. <laughs> so Godzilla vs. Kong stars Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Isa Gonzalez, Julian Dennison, Damian Bashir, Kaylee, Holtle, uh, Kaylee Hoddle, and last but certainly not least, Kyle Chandler. In like two scenes. Hey, we'll get to him, man. And Lance Reddick. Yeah. Oh, 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 Lance, oh, oh, don't, don't get me started on Lance no. Reddick. We hey, will dive into this that. This is later. why we have the pinch hitter <laughs> role in our lineup. It, this movie is the perfect for that. Four seconds. Oh, my he's God. In the movie. Ridiculous. Um, okay. <clears throat> so I told you we were going to have fun on this one. Yes, okay. Yeah. So the budget for Godzilla versus Kong is an estimated $200 million, which may sound like a lot, but it's on par with other blockbusters of this type. There's uh, a big surprise, though, here where this film and its opening five days over the Easter weekend made back nearly a quarter of that at $48.5 million at the domestic box office. We had put up a poll on our Twitter page asking if it would get over $10 million, uh, to cover the weekend. Well, it got $10 million on opening night, which was last Wednesday, 
that the two of you even helped contribute to. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this biggest, is the biggest this, movie of the pandemic. This is a so huge, far. huge yeah. deal. Uh, so Godzilla versus King Kong currently sits at 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. So take that for what you will. But the general consensus is that if you go into this movie expecting a CGI slugfest between two titans, you won't be disappointed. So let's begin with our general thoughts on the film and have you guys kind of talk about your experience seeing this movie back in a theater. I mean, for me, just being back in a the theater, let's start there. Let's just, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go back to just walking in a movie theater and getting that smell of popcorn as you walk in <laughs> was just great. Seeing the flashing lights, the marquee was just alone got me so high you guys went to galaxy uptown right yeah. so yeah, huge probably. huge great marquee yeah. inside of that yeah. theater yeah so I and hear we ya. saw it in their imax theater which of course isn't a true imax theater but it's got the larger screen the imax sound and the projection to to do movies justice and it was great it was awesome to be in that shared experience to be with a couple buddies like max and Derek. And just witness a movie that, like, what I've said it before on this podcast. One of my favorite movie experiences was the Kong Skull Island uh, midnight premiere at the Century XD, which was sitting in a packed theater watching a monster movie and reacting the same way to where I can look over to my left and see so many other people reacting Complete the strangers. same way. Yeah. Complete strangers. And it's one of those, like, movies to where... You don't really need to pay attention. You're not so upset if someone's talking during it. Until the fights happen. Until the fights happen where you're just like, yeah, just shut up, shut up. <laughs> but like, it, it's one of those where you can lean over to who you're with and comment on it. It's just a fun movie experience. So mm. I, I love these movies for that, to where it's not only the spectacle, but it's the shared experience. So, so to be able to continue that with this movie in this environment was not only a surprise, but I was... I think I liked the movie more because I got to see it that way to where I know if I saw it on HBO Max at my house. It definitely hits differently on a TV. Yeah. No, <laughs> absolutely. And I watched it. I've only seen it twice. I watched it once at my parents' house. Not even my 4K big TV, my home theater. I watched it at my parents' house on their small TV. And I was like, hey, it's just not the same. But in the theater, it was a great experience. I do not regret it. I highly recommend if you feel comfortable to go see it in the spectacle, despite its flaws. It's a fun watch. It's it's made for the theater. It I is. Mean, it, it, it is. Yeah. The uh, being back in a the movie theater is is it was just so special. Um, and you know, you feeling that energy around you uh, of people and and being in a you know, a somewhat of a crowd. Um, I'm a curious space, to a that. spaced out crowd. Right. Cause I've been to the theater since they've opened back mm -hmm. up, but the movies that I was seeing were like old classics. And so I can't imagine that the crowd was anything like which you guys were around. So, I mean, there were, there were ho people hooting and hollering. Okay, there, cool. You know, there were a couple of times when I know I belly laughed and like, you know, I'm sure it echoed throughout the theater, but well, well, Max, you and I like leaned over to each other several times making jokes and we didn't feel bad because it's a movie that you can do that yeah. during. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it was it was great to be back in a theater. Great to be uh, in that in that uh, energy space. And and this this movie, if you can see it on a giant screen, go see it on a giant screen because it it does make it more fun. It, it and like just like more 
uh, more exciting, more enthralling. Yeah. The, the spectacle yeah. of it all. It's yeah. way better when it's way in your face. It's a Transformers movie. Yeah. Mean, well, yeah. okay. So that's yeah. a good transition now into just our <laughs> overall thoughts because yeah. the movie theater experience, I feel like, is already worth like one or two points right there, just bumping it up in your book. But what did you think of it overall as a film? I know we already kind of talked about not going in with too heavy of expectations, but – before we get into our categories here, and let's try not to get too far off the rails. What happened in this movie? Like, could you give me a 30-second synopsis of this movie? Uh, Do you- <laughs> Colin wakes up from a nap. Scientists need to go to, uh, in their Star Trek ships and go to the center of the Earth. They meet Brendan Fraser there uh, with wings. Godzilla had, knows exactly where they're at, makes a tunnel, fight, fight, fight. There's a bad guy with a robot. He dies. Fight. <laughs> you want to take a crack at it, Grant? I was just going to say, humans make Godzilla pissed off, so Kong just tries to live his life, but then humans make Kong fight Godzilla. Neither of them want to fight to the point where there's another fight that they then look at each other and are like, let's fight, and then there's a fight. So there's a lot of fights, and it's a great fight movie. And everything that's not a fight is pointless, and you don't need it, and you can fast forward during it. Just go to the fight sequences. Spoilers on that Brendan Fraser part, too. If you haven't seen it, it's going to be wild. No, it's a great cameo. (laughs) When you get to the Journey of the Center of the Earth crossover, that's that's when you know. That's when you know. Well, no, that's The Rock. That's even Brendan Fraser. No, Brendan Fraser had... He was in the first one. Yeah. He was in the first one. Okay, <laughs> never mind Which means then. you've seen the second one. <laughs> no, I haven't. That's the only one I thought existed. I didn't Put know there was a first box. one. He has seen the second Journey yeah, to the Center of the Earth. you're logging that as soon as we You're telling me Journey to the Center of the Earth and Jumanji 2 are two different movies? <laughs> then I don't understand what film is. Wow. This is great. Okay. So before we get any further off the rails um, and turn to our seven category (laughs) review system, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome to Redux, a podcast about music by a music lover for music lovers. I'm Van Berryman, math teacher by trade, podcaster by hobby, former radio host and production coordinator and avid music lover. Step into Redux for deep looks into album reviews with a concise but thorough comparison of an artist's first album to their most recent and their journey to get there. Plus, top 10 lists, best ofs, and other musical inputs to get you through the day. If you like what you hear, drop a follow on Instagram at Redux Podcast and feel free to let me know there what reviews you want to hear. Come along on this journey with me, sit back, and enjoy the ride. Okay, so hopefully you are all familiar with our review categories. If not, don't fret. They're pretty self-explanatory. Before we get into the top of our lineup, which is our first category, I just want to read the IMDb synopsis for Godzilla vs. Kong here (laughs) to to set the table. (laughs) The epic next chapter in the cinematic monsterverse pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against one another, the fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong, with humanity caught in the balance. Wow. Do we just give this film a 10 now? That's dramatic. <laughs> like, the synopsis is better than the movie. They didn't mention <laughs> Brendan Fraser. <laughs> All right. So we've already – Max has already announced he's he's playing for Team team Garzira here. And Grant, you and I are playing team for Team Kong. Kong. All right. Cool, cool. All right. So top- King Kong ain't got <laughs> shit on me. 
right. Uh, so who's batting leadoff for you, Max? Uh, it's Godzilla. It's a, uh, he's the first in the title card. You, you're going there because it's a Godzilla movie, right? And uh, that's that's why you're there, because you saw King of Monsters. You saw Godzilla 2014. You might have seen the monkey middle in the middle. But <laughs> you're going to watch Godzilla. He's the leadoff. He's the reason I'm in, in the seat at the theater. And I'm going immediately with... Uh, on the contrary of the Rebecca Hall Alexander Skarsgård co co op, okay, I'm, go- I'm going with these okay. two the, the human characters who are on Kong's side <laughs> to really establish what Kong means to this story and to this universe. I don't actually think we know what side Alexander Skarsgård's on. No, I don't true, think he true. knows no, what no, side no. he's on. No, he's on Brendan Fraser's side. <laughs> that he's on the journey to the center of the Earth's side. <laughs> that doesn't mean that he still doesn't progress the story. He's on his crazy brother who's in QAnon's side. Okay. The fact that they didn't use his actual brother for the photo blows my mind <laughs> blows my mind like how did you not get there's the... like nine of them yeah you <laughs> could have brought Stellan on your there dad. you yeah. Stellan or your uncle whoever your relationship is who knows um but the fact that it doesn't matter what side he's on he still progressed the story behind Kong and these two like there is no like actual like we'll get into it later when I talk about Kong but there is no story without this side and there's no story without Godzilla Getting uh, mad and we'll hurting to, people, and we don't we'll know why. That. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I'm saying that for me, the ones that bring me into the story are the ones that are trying to understand Kong, and that's the Rebecca Hall and Alexander Skarsgård characters. I like so that's that. That's my leadoff. Um, I don't know who the hell Godzilla's agent is, but however he bargained for Godzilla to get top billing is beyond me. Well, yeah, beyond. You know me. who this the is agent Kong is? Is Godzilla. the two characters they cut out of the movie from Kings of Monsters, and we'll get into that later too. Yeah. Um, okay, so for me, Baton leadoff is <clears throat> my new podcasting idol, Brian Tyree Henry, um, <laughs> who plays Bernie Hayes. This guy is a grinder, just sets up the story great with his 245th episode of Titan Truth Podcast. Pretty impressive. A- extremely impressive. <laughs> However, just like... telling your story on a – or telling your plan to infiltrate a company on your podcast – Probably not the best. Idea. Not yeah. the best way to blow the lid off of a conspiracy. Hell the, no. The fact that we had three podcasters sitting together between me, Max, and Derek on this movie, we all looked at each other. We're like, "Podcasts are taking over." Oh we're no, on, we're on this, the right side of history here, guys. This, this is Halloween a gr- this is a great moment. The fact that now podcasters have taken over in movies from like the the young up and coming journalist in in a newspaper film, or even like ten years ago, these would have been bloggers, right? something like that yeah. now they're podcasters now they're podcasters um, so yeah big shout out to Brian Tyree Henry and come I, on the pod and, and I really <laughs> we'd love to have as the, your character yeah, oh yeah. yeah as Bernie um, and I really had no relationship with him before this film either I don't really know what else Atlanta. he's been in oh okay it's from the, okay. the Donald Glover TV yeah, show yeah. awesome yeah. Um, so yeah it was really cool I, I enjoyed his character quite a bit it, at least the intro to his character everything else that all his exposition mumbo jumbo with Millie Bobby Brown Neither here nor there for me. Because um, if you cut back to them, you kind of knew you were cutting away from Godzilla tap versus no Kong. Tap. Oh, no tap, man. And, and I shower in bleach. Um, okay, so you who's on? Fluoride. You don't want that fluoride. Who's who's on deck for you, Max? Okay, so Godzilla set the table, but Kong's cooking the turkey. Kong, it, this is a King Kong movie. It's King Kong's movie. He moves the plot, and he 
physically like that's why the plot is moving because they're moving <laughs> him from Skull Island to the Antarctic to the journey journey to the center of the earth to Hong Kong. It, it's all Kong. Okay, so can I stop you for a quick second here mm-hmm. for for this is my first of many uh, nitpicks. Does Skull Island? I know that in the like in credits, if you were paying really close attention to King of the Monsters, it says that like Monarch creates dome around Skull Island or whatever. Like that's how there's supposed to be this whole like Truman Show esque mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dome around Skull Island because in Kong Skull Island, all our uh, Vietnam guys and the whole Sam Jackson air raid team they just fly into. Kong Skull right. Island. So There's the, no dome, but in the in credits the, it shows. The, well, and it's the line I picked up on very early on in the movie. Rebecca Hall says. Rebecca Hall yeah. says to where like yeah during Kong Skull Island it's the perpetual storm surrounding the island that once you get through the storm the island's fine. But but then, no, but there's that dome. He throws the fucking tree. No, up no, in the roof. I'm saying so. Yeah. That's Kong Skull Island back in mm-hmm. Vietnam. Now. They have the line to where the storm overtook the island. Okay. So where the island is constantly consumed in a storm, which is why they built the containment around of Kong. just like a section so, of the island. So he has free reign. A lot of things happen off screen. Right. In this movie. Including <laughs> my biggest one right here. How do we get – is there a retractable roof on Skull Island? How do we get Kong out of this biodome and Maybe, onto the ship? I would just assume movie magic. they deconstruct it and just okay. sedate <laughs> okay. it and move it. Who, okay. knows? Who knows? We just got but, like two, but, two weeks to spend on construction. Did, yeah. it was, well, to, to, oh. me, to me, for a movie like this, the fact that you're like combining two storylines, to me, the – uh, Kong in the dome and like the storm taking over that being fed into the script wasn't that crazy to me. Like to me, I was like, Oh, awesome. Like you, you've explained it of why Kong is not only bigger, but the fact that you have this containment, of course, Monarch knows he's on skull Island. So sometime between Vietnam and now they're going to go monitor him. So to me, that all made sense. Yes, they rushed it with just quick uh, Yeah, because I was picturing like a Safeco Field-esque retractable dome or something. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I didn't know um, what we were doing. But no, of course, like to me, all, it, all, all I took from that was just like anything else of like Kong was just the one Titan that they could contain and be able to manipulate, obviously because of uh, Gia. Gia, and you, that probably helped, but... To me, the the small parts of the lines that they put to evolve the storyline of Skull Island didn't bug me that much. If anything, I was like, wow, you did the right thing for this type of movie, and you did the right thing for the first 30 seconds, and then the rest of the plot didn't really fall through. Another nitpick, if <laughs> if, if I may. Yes. Yeah. This whole uh, military operation to get Khan off the island and get him to... Antarctica or wherever is put together by a crackpot author whose brother was in QAnon. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, right. And and the con whisperer, some doctor who's who's been sh- looking. At, and so the U.S. military is and just Damian like, Bashir, some some crazy US Bond villain who's like, always absolutely, drunk. Here are a ton of like aircraft carriers, battleships, probably some submarines. Okay, we're gonna get back on track here. I promise. <laughs> Leads me to another nitpick of mine. We are four movies in now. When has a single fighter jet made a goddamn difference in any one of these fights? How has the why US... are you still scrambling the jets to fight Godzilla? How has the U.S. His military gonna knock you out of the sky every time? Not like. Taken a 
like put their foot in the ground and been like, no, we will not stand for this. I will not go see my brothers die at the hands of Godzilla's tail after we're trying to just like shoot him with all these missiles. It makes no sense. The military would be like, nope, sorry, bud, not our fight. Come up with some poison gas to drop on him or something, but we're done. We're done fighting him. <laughs> we're playing tennis right now because where also do you buy a con-size net? Where does that come from? And if there is a con-size net, why isn't there a con-size tarp for when he's in the rain on the boat? You're just going to let him get soaked and get cold? He might get fucking sick. And then, then you're done. Then you're done. Yeah. Gorillas get sick. <laughs> They're primates. Hello. Hello. Okay. It's a Who, movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, tell, tell us who's on deck for you, Grant. On deck for me is just the humans. And it's, let me put this more delicately. <laughs> Half of the humans. Um, it, or, or no, let me, that was the first part. I will say the hu- the humans and Godzilla, like their relationship with him, Godzilla and how humans react to him, is what creates the bad guy, right? So it's the Sirizawa, it's the the Demian Bichair character, it's them antagonizing Godzilla. So it's the humans, it's the bad humans. My my lead off is the good humans. My secondary is the bad humans because. You don't have Godzilla doing anything unless you're antagonizing him. He wouldn't be he'd be in the ocean. He'd be sleeping. You didn't hear from him for 3 years. He's got an inferiority complex, that's why. Yeah, it, it, right? Like it's it's until he's it's till he's threatened that he comes out. You yeah. Know? He has no reason to be, you know, if someone else shows up. Oh, oh. Did he kill Mothra? So we're going to get into that. <laughs> we're going to get into what this movie left out and what was just Did Godzilla absent. kill Mothra. No. no, Mothra dies no. in King of the Monsters. She does? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember her dying. She, like, sacrifices herself, basically, in the big She's, fight against she, Ghidorah. She, quote-unquote, sacrifices herself. She sacrifices herself in a way that's, like, she dies, but do we really see her die? Like, I don't it, think we ever see her she, die. Same she, with Red no, Man, too, No, no, right? no. In the end credits of, because I... God forbid, went back and rewatched all these MonsterVerse movies. There's an end credit scene where it says, like, a second Mothra egg discovered yeah. or whatever. Okay, so she so, laid so an egg, and, but, like, Mothra 1.0 is dead. Okay. okay, well, okay. But sooner or later, we might get Mothra 2.0. Okay. Yeah, and, and the opening credits of uh, Godzilla versus Kong also was like, are we killing off monsters <laughs> off the screen? Marsh Madness yeah, bracket. Yeah, it's, right. it's doing the bracket. It's like, Godzilla fights 19 monsters... King Kong fights two. <laughs> it's like, yeah, these are our two champions. Let's go. Unbelievable. UCLA versus yeah. Gonzaga. Um, but I will say that the fact that humans antagonizing Godzilla, like they're they're the lead up. It's it's the it's the bad monarch. We don't ha- we don't get monarch. No, I'm we gonna get, get apex. We're, I'm gonna get into that <laughs> no, complaint later. I'm gonna get into that complaint later. But apex to me is like. It's Apex and Godzilla together. God, I keep hitting the mic. Apex and Godzilla Grant's together. Grant's doing a lot of the Italians coming out in him right now. <laughs> doing a lot of hand talking. I'm gesturing. I'm gesturing. <laughs> no, it's the uh, it's the Apex and Godzilla conglomerate that to me is the is the leadoff to where Godzilla would not be in this movie if it wasn't the 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 machine that made him get out of the water. So to me, Godzilla like to. Testament to uh, Max is it is a King Kong movie. Godzilla is a supporting character. He's in the movie maybe the same amount of time that he is in the first Godzilla movie. No, oh, wow, wow. no he's, he's in, in it more. Lot, he's, in lot, he's in it a lot. He's in it a lot more. Fourteen minutes, but but Grant. Godzilla is okay. the main character, and so like to enough me, he, cons. 
Careful. Okay. The <laughs> other the other thing about uh, Godzilla and and his relationship with or our relationship with him as an audience extremely anticlimactic first scene of Godzilla in my book where he just kind of comes up out of the water like and then yeah he starts kicking ass and stuff and that's kind of cool but you really don't know why and the the shot of his like glowing spikes and then his face and he roars and then just goes back into the water i was just like at first i, I was almost thinking like okay this isn't godzilla this is like a, just another titan coming another monster and i'm like oh wait no this is like godzilla already and this is it okay here we I, go I, I will say that's classic like that's a classic throwback to a godzilla movie of him just like coming out of the water right doing away. something and then just going back into the water that's like a total like it really Toho, is yeah 1960s Godzilla trope, which uh, which was the premise of the first 2014 movie, but they extended it over an hour and a half rather than him just coming in and out. Okay, so on deck for me is Kaylee Hoddle. We already talked about her, Gia. Phenomenal work here from a young actress who is actually deaf, playing a deaf girl in the movie. Um, not only is her relationship with Kong like the thing that really humanizes King Kong, but also the work that she does by keeping a straight face in front of Rebecca Hall while she's delivering some of the worst fucking lines I've oh, ever no. heard in a movie. That's true. I guess she can't hear it. But anyways, her being able to keep a straight face, even just Rebecca Hall's face, her face while she's talking, Rebecca Hall is just doing way too much. And and Kaylee Hoddle as Gia is really keeping it together. She's She's great in this movie. She's the best thing about the movie, for yeah. sure. She, I, I hope she continues to act and, and we see her in more stuff. She was fantastic in every part that she was in, whether it was the first thing you see her, her just putting together the Kong doll and presenting it to her pleading with Rebecca Hall. Like, she was just phenomenal. Rebecca Hall's face while signing is just the thing of excellence. <laughs> Rebecca Hall is an excellent classical. Oh, we're going to get to her. We're going to get to her in just a minute. Actress. Okay, <laughs> who, who's in the hole for you, Max? Well, spoilers. In the hole is Mechagodzilla. Okay. He comes he comes raging out of that mountain and he hits hits a home run every single time he's on screen. He's kicking ass. I I, I actually I like the design of him and like with the jetpacks moving around Godzilla and and it, it really shows that like yeah, he is Godzilla's superior. He's like right? a young LeBron James out there. Yeah, he looks great. He's moving great. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so he's, he's, he's the guy in the hole who's, who's coming up and, and hitting the home, hitting the guy's home for me. Uh, to, for me, it's King Kong. It's Kong. He drives, the, it is a Kong movie. He drives the whole story. You could do an edit where you remove every human aspect and just watch Kong and Godzilla interact. And then this robot show up and that's a great 40 minute movie. Of just these monsters fighting each other with no human interaction. You could literally cut it all out. It's fine. I can't wait for the supercut of like Godzilla, Skull Island, King of Monsters, and this movie all just monster fights. Of just the fights. Because that's what we want. And this movie delivered on that. And Kong comes full force. He does it. Right off the bat on the ship carrier, he adapts, he improvises, he does his shit, he bear grills it through and through. Then he gets to Hollow Earth and gets the axe, and when he comes, the Hong Kong fight scene is just insane. And spoiler alert, yes, 
Kong loses the fight with Godzilla, but he wins the movie. Godzilla, like, kills him. Does he, though? Yeah. Without the Star Trek ship, Kong's dead. Kong's dead. True. No, yeah. Like I said, But he looks great in those neon lights. (laughs) Like I said, Godzilla wins the fight, but Kong wins the movie. Kong is the story driver. I agree with that. I agree with that. Not only after their fight to where, like, Kong submits even the, when they're yelling at each other and their faces are right in there. And Where's Godzilla, Martha? Yeah. <laughs> Where's Mothra? God damn yeah, it. No, I did the Snyder cut joke for him. Martha. You know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're yeah, saying. They say, they, they're yeah. saying where's Mothra to each other. Yeah. <laughs> but that scene of them yelling at each other and like Kong not subsiding, but then you get that one overlook shot of Kong realizing that he's beat. But then is still able to rally behind, especially with Jaya, you know, signing that Godzilla's not the enemy. This is, we can get to the writing later. But the fact, like Kong, is to me the main character of the movie. Godzilla is the antihero. It is the it is the sub character. So hitting it home for me is Kong because if this franchise will continue, because it's still up in the air. There's a huge Twitter movement right now to continue the MonsterVerse. If it does continue, it's Kong. It's not Godzilla. Godzilla's been burnt out. We've we've had him fight Rodan and Ghidorah in one movie. Kong, there's multiple other monsters. We have the whole Hollow Earth. Kong can come in as a as a support character, but like the future of this MonsterVerse is Kong. So that's why he's he's bat, bat and clean up for me. Sounds good. Swinging that axe. Um, <laughs> in the hole for me is Rebecca Hall, Dr. Eileen Andrews. Just, I don't know what movie she thinks she's in. I don't know if she expects this to be on her Oscar reel in 20 years. But, I mean, just some of her lines. Anything about Kong goes through me and Kong bows to no one. And what else? She actually, she literally says... If if Kong leaves, Godzilla will find him. And then we're out in the middle of the ocean, and someone's like, what is it? And she just, the one word delivery, it's Godzilla. And I'm like, yeah, we know, Rebecca Hall. We know, okay? Um, but I just give her so much credit for, for taking this movie. I mean, everyone else, I feel like, feels like they know what movie they're in. Rebecca Hall thinks that she's actually in, like, the the reboot of Planet of the Apes or something and or or just just something a little bit more prestigious you know she's she's the Brian Cranston and then yeah. she's the Vera Farminga from the Vera King Farminga. of the Monsters yeah she's yeah. the next big name that's gonna propel this universe maybe so just shout out to her in my rewatch I was just laughing at every single thing that she did I already talked about her face while signing it's just it's so corny uh (laughs) I I just loved it I loved every bit of it I hated that I loved it but I loved it um okay so best quote we got I have a lot down here oh pinch hitter that's right okay well I mean I don't know if this is gonna be unanimous or not but for me it's Kyle Chandler for for me it's Damien Damien Birch okay for sure Bashir, yeah, he he's just a mustache twirling villain who, you know, the Millie Bobby storyline didn't really care about that. Every time it went to them, it was just like, uh, get can we get back to something else? But when they're around him and he is just like drinking a <laughs> glass Eyeball of whiskey glass in yep. his velvet jacket with an ascot, just like, uh, now I'm the alpha. Like it's fantastic stuff what he's doing. And just like such a 
you know, he's Senior Bob from The Hateful Eight. Yep. Yeah. That's the first time I ever saw him in anything. And to see him from there to now where he's at, it's just just fantastic. It was shades of Pedro Pascal in <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. And give me that energy all day. <laughs> No, and that's exactly why I have being pinch hunter. Was, nice. Is, is this guy being exactly what you want in this kind of movie? Of You want someone like this type of character in that position. So for when the inevitable instance of, spoiler alert, like when Mechagodzilla turns on him and kills him, it's like, it's fucking great. It's rewarding. And he is a great villain to like come off, come across as a good guy. At the beginning, and then you f- slowly realize, oh, this guy is just a piece of shit, and it's really quick. He does a great job. Everything Max said, like, so yeah, Damien Bichair is my my pinch hitter. Yeah, for me, it's Kyle Chandler. Just let alone for the line of um, <laughs> that that podcast is filling your head with garbage. You need to go to school. His, his line to Millie Bobby Brown. Take me to school, Dad. Yeah. Um, Where are you? It's, it's why, insane. Why am I doing this alone? Uh, also, the fact that Millie Bobby Brown, while listening to the Titan Truth podcast, is clearly on an iPhone, and yet while she's texting her dad at the end of the movie, his are showing up green. And so I'm like, do you guys not share the same cell phone plan? Millie Bobby Brown is like 15 years old, and what, you're making her like pay for her own because <laughs> you've disowned her or something like that? Why do you guys both not have iPhones, or why do you both not have Androids? Every All the little things about Kyle right. Chandler's character, he's on the screen for like two minutes. And so I was, was going to say, he's, he's honestly on the screen for two minutes. The definition of a pinch hitter, and so I was just zeroed in on every single thing that he was doing. My guys put on some weight since the Friday Night Light days. Um, it, it was just, it was great stuff. It was, it was great stuff from Kyle Chandler. I will say, uh, Kyle Chandler. Uh, I had a really funny interaction with um, uh, host of the Holy Hour, Liz Ball. CPS is coming for you, Kyle. Like CPS is coming for all y'all. You're taking a deaf child into the middle of the earth. You're, you're letting your, your children steal a van and drive to Florida, like. CPS is missing in this world and they're they're gonna they're gonna come knocking. An unreal amount of neglect yeah, <laughs> happening in this film. Uh okay, so now we're on to best quote. Best quote, uh, you know what I had I had anything Rebecca Hall's character says. Yes. Uh calm bows to no one. There there can only be t- or there can't be two alpha titans. Um just just Excellent line reading, uh, ridiculous stuff, uh, taken very serious. Uh, yeah, love love her performance in this. Yeah, no, my my favorite quote was just her saying, it's Godzilla. <laughs> like it, Death charges. <laughs> and then immediately after the submarine's been inverted, soaked in water, all these death charges still work. They can just fire off within two seconds. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. It's a submarine, right? No one knows the rules on a submarine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but to me, just her saying it's Godzilla is just, to me, exactly what I want in this movie. I don't want a well-thought-out like plot. I want it to be straightforward where, what is it? It's Godzilla. Great. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's show let's him. Let's see Godzilla. Show, show him to me. Don't, don't do the thing you did two movies ago where you, like... You get some weird vibrations. Smoke and, and mirrors. Yeah, some, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's Godzilla. Awesome. I wanted to fight. You shut up now. Let's wa- let's watch the monkey and lizard fight. That's what I want. And so I loved that, that she was literally the indication of anytime something great was going to happen, she would say a one line and then 
purely exposition. Boom, every happened. single one of her lines, purely expositional. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I already talked about Kyle Chandler and his podcast line. I love when Brian Tyree Henry is getting ready to go into Apex for his last day of work. Something we can all relate to a lot here. He goes, maybe this will be my last podcast I ever record. And yeah, I know I said that last week. <laughs> it's just like... I feel you, big homie. I really feel you on that one. Um, and then also, too, we haven't really talked about her much. Um, don't really know what she's doing in this movie. Love the actress, though. Isa Gonzalez. After Kong is in Middle Earth and rips the head off of the like flying velociraptor bat lizard thing, and he chokes down the intestines and the neck and drinks the brain juice or whatever and you i mean and he already has gone like full-on patrick bateman with the axe to paul allen's face like multiple (laughs) unnecessary hacks to this thing and you as an audience member just like jesus christ and then it cuts to her and with actually some really good line reading she just goes that's gross (laughs) i was like okay that was actually just really small but delivered pretty well so i like that all right shoot your shot time (laughs) so as i'm going through these categories i realized that I get a little lazy here because on this one I say any of the Tokyo night fight. Uh, just bathed it, in Kong. neon. Yeah, bathed in neon. Just give it to me like it's Hong Tron Kong. or Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. excuse me. Hong, Hong Kong. It's Tron. It's a lot uh, of Tron vibes. I was getting uh, on the journey to like this, <laughs> the journey to the center <laughs> of the earth. Yeah. A lot of Tron vibes there too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just love it. It's just, it's, it's really, really beautiful with, with, with the monsters, the neon lights, the CGI looks, I mean, just fantastic with yeah. these things moving around. Godzilla is, like, moving really fast, like, faster than we've ever seen him. Um, Joel and been B, man. for I, three years. I tweeted he's, this. He's ready to go. Yeah. 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 Uh, where he's, like, crawling on all fours. Like, you've never seen that before in a Godzilla movie. That's really cool. Um, God, or King Kong jumps onto a building and like like he's on the Empire State Building, but then the building just like falls over, topples over because that's what would happen in real life. I, I, I thought that was a Kong popping his very, shoulder back into very place. Clever. Yeah, yeah. So anything uh, at night uh, in the uh, Hong Kong fight. I agree with everything you said. I loved. I mean, for those that don't follow me on Instagram or, <laughs> or Twitter, what are your handles? Uh, Gr Beanie and G Beanie, but uh, this is the first me- th- this is the first movie I ever saw with my indoor. Oh, that's right, in chroma glasses. Yeah. So those neon fights at Hong Kong were just amazing to me, especially when Godzilla like threw his atomic breath. Like even though I'm red, green, colorblind, like blues and yellows still are diluted, and so seeing those vividly were just absolutely amazing. Absolutely, I loved that fight scene. My favorite shots, though, were an obvious ode to the Universal Studios tram ride of when you're on the tram ride and you're getting the tour and, like, you go through the Jaws thing and, like, the Jaws thing comes out. But then there's that point where the tram ride goes wrong, quote unquote, and things start falling apart. And there's this one part where you're going around and the, the and King Kong is right to your right, and his mouth comes right over your tram right, but you escape at the right <laughs> second. And so watching this movie with the hover cars and how they're navigating around the monsters, mm. there is several, several shots where, to me, all I thought was, this is the universal tram ride. They're, they're di- not only are they diving into the nostalgia of the Toho era of Godzilla, are they diving into the 1933 
of King Kong? Are they not diving into 2005 of King Kong with Peter Jackson? They're diving into the Universal Studios tram ride (laughs) of you going right by King Kong's face and like through his like watching that on the big screen was huge for me. It was just nostalgia overload. So that shot for me of during the fights of when the hover cars, the the uh, heaves, the heaves, as they call them, are like traveling and like flying it through for no reason. There's a couple of scenes where it's like, you didn't need to go that way. You could have gone that way and you'd have been safe. But you chose to go right by his face. And it created a brilliant shot that I loved. So I love that because it threw me back to being 13 at Universal Studios riding the tram ride. That's awesome. Um and so I really liked the first like battleship fight sequence. A lot of uh, the camera work there, where it would be like a real wide shot. You get like three destroyer ships in the in the um, screen, and the camera would be like over Godzilla's shoulder, and so you're kind of looking at Kong like your Godzilla, and then you get this really cool like zoom in and focus. It, like right as like another you know like big moments about to happen. I really liked those. I really liked the fur detail on King Kong when they get him to the Arctic and he's covered in the snow. That was really cool. Um, but my actual favorite upon rewatch when I went back um, for a second time was when the Brian Tyree Henry character is it in Apex and Godzilla is tearing through it at the very very beginning and he's almost been taken out. He kind of comes to looks up and sees like the Mecha reactor that has drawn Godzilla to. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's looking at that. The room is all like in rubbles and there's wires and sparks flying everywhere. And in the very background, Godzilla's going ham with the front, with the fire breath, the atomic breath or whatever. Of thirds. Yes. It was so cool. What's behind you and what's beyond. Absolutely. That, that That scene just stood out. Um, like not a sore thumb, like a freaking awesome just like was I was great, like, like an great. awesome thumb like that was awesome number thumb. that was yeah. number three like a thumb like a thumb that king kong has and allows him to wield axes um so yeah that was that was my favorite um okay all hans on deck what a junkie get right here uh again anytime <laughs> the original godzilla theme came on that was super nostalgic for me hearing the dun 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 like it was just it, it was really, really cool to hear that because they hadn't used that at all in Godzilla 2014 and not as much in, in Godzilla King of the Monsters. And and that's that's the theme that, like, takes you back to your, your childhood watching those old movies. And I'm, I'm right there with you. It, it, it is that theme. It is, it is too iconic to whether you know what it is before, but when you watch it, when Godzilla... Th- shows up on screen you hear that bomb 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 and it just captivates you mm-hmm. so wholeheartedly to where it's obvious what i'm sure we're going to talk about in a second because we mentioned before in pre-recording of what feral Monch used in simon says what other monster movies have used in pacific rim of that imposing just baritone deep bass single beat things to to emphasize how big something can be and like how you said it it's right they hadn't used it in Godzilla before and like now with this showing him being the apex being the king that uh, there was a moment in the movie when we watched it on theater when that showed up when the camera was panning up on him and that thing was like man I'm I'm team Kong but 
shit, am I came am I, am I Team Godzilla? Come on like, over. Like, like, come like on this over. is great. This is really great. Come, come. But then Godzilla got the axe, or King Kong got the axe, and I was like, yeah, Godzilla ain't got shit. But then, you know, spoiler um, alert. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I'm going to talk about it again here because I really enjoyed that as well. Um, I kind of figured that this would be all three of our picks, and yeah. so I like narrowed it down to the one time that I really liked it. It's after that first battle on the battleships, and Skarsgård comes up with the idea of like shutting all the engines off and playing dead, and you get Kong um, all like wounded and everything on on the ship and it starts and then it cuts to Godzilla and he's looking at just like what he's created and it plays right there. Mm-hmm. Really liked it. Um I since I thought that we would all kind of pick this, I also want to give just a shout out to the opening credits. The opening credits actually are like really good yeah. and that's more like yeah. that's more junkie XL, not Tom Holkenborg right there. Like that's got some really cool um like beat pad work and that, synthesizer that, stuff that even reverb, going on. That reverb that he's yeah. known for. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so I really like that during the opening credits. Okay. Too long didn't need. And and you can't max just say all the human stuff. <laughs> I said any of the human stuff. <laughs> Uh, uh, get rid of the Millie Bobby uh, storyline. Yeah, uh, like we don't we don't need that. Uh, uh, Rebecca Hall, Alexander Sarsgaard, uh, you can still keep uh, the the bad guy in there, um, but but get rid of get rid of, of of all that stuff. I don't need to go to some rest restaurant and sit and talk and about tap water and what. They had such an opportunity to to make Millie Bobby Brown's character a quintessential part of the the story and they decided not to to flood other characters into it and it just it fit but it didn't fit their their her whole story is just so unnecessary there's nothing about it the rebecca hall alexander skarsgård human intertrope does something the other one literally does nothing if you cut all of it you don't miss anything from the movie. The other one, if you do, you miss some parts. Guess what? If you only watch the fights, it's still a great movie. <laughs> if you only watch the fights, it's still a great movie. But if you cut the Millie Bobby Brown part out, you don't miss anything. And it was just her entire story arc. It made no sense to me. It also made no sense to me that they cut out characters from King of Monsters. The Dr. Ling. The twin. Where's yeah, she? Why yeah. isn't she in the movie? Lance Reddick. He has he's, one scene. He has, he has one line. He's supposedly supposed to be the head of Monarch. Why did you cut his? Yeah, why is Monarch, all of Monarch, just cut? Monarch is, no, that's a, the, I don't understand it. Monarch is entirely cut from this movie. They reference it once. It makes no sense. Also would have liked to see Charles Dance. Return. Why have an end credit scene with him not to bring him back in this movie? Also, okay, here we're back on the nitpick train. When when they're <laughs> when they've got the glowing uh wires hooked up to the skull, the yep. skull of an animal. Of, of Monster Zero. Of Monster Zero. What are what exactly are they extracting from that skull? From the skull, because the skull supposedly it's is just telepathic, so it's a skull. There's some sort of like magical marrow inside of it that's allowing. So stupid. They yeah. should have just done. Also, it guess been what? A big, huge water tank. You know what and it is. It should have been a, like a live head, 
Like, like Monster Zero can like, regrow uh, its head. In Pacific Rim, when Charlie Day taps into the kaiju brain, it's actually like a oh, live weird. brain. Yes. Right? We- weird, weird how Pacific Rim did things better than this monster universe. GDT, yeah. yeah. Um, um, also, no, my, my big thing in that whole realm is, yeah, you have the severed head, you have... You have um, Charles Dance not being a part of it. The Sirizawa character of the Sun yeah. is not only barely referenced but completely wasted. He's I, like one I, of the. He's I like hate, one. Sense I hate to that me. they made him a bad. Guy. He's like one of the hitmen in Possessor. Yeah, I hate but that. also <laughs> it's the fact where if you watch that movie, and even if you watch the other ones, it's so easy to miss that he's the son of the Ken Watanabe character. There's so much that they cut out of this movie, which Adam Wingard says is he's fine. Release with. the Wingard. No, but oh. Ed, even Adam Wingard. No, says it's going to be fine three hours it. long. And that blows it's a miracle my mind. that this was it, under two. It blows my mind that he's okay with it because there is so there's so many holes in the story of what they filmed. Lance Reddick gets b- top. Billing. He literally and, has like seventh billing. He is yeah. like a yeah. huge. He has. Think, yeah. He he says one thing. It's at full activation. Yeah. Or something like that. I don't. That's not yeah, even talking the right to line. Kyle Chandler though. It's yeah. something like that. But he yeah. has this one line. Fault. It cuts away from him, and that's it. And it makes no sense to me. I hated that. Um. Okay. So. I knew we'd just be talking about the humans a lot in this. And, and I already said that, like, any military attack on any of the Titans, you don't need it. It's not going to work. Um, so then I also had Skarsgård's wardrobe. The entire movie, his, like, flannel with the vest over the and the blue lapels. With the huge with the huge shoes yes, going on the, that the, tied. Yeah, the white <laughs> Nikes are, like, the I, huge oh, my God. Pump like, them up. I don't know what his his aesthetic is that he's going for. Um, Millie Bobby Brown in her first couple of scenes, they make her out like make her out to be that she's going to be like this like crazy hacker. So I just like you don't need her. I get that you need her, I guess, because she was in King of the Monsters, she's contractually she's one of the obligated. Young stars. Right, we had her on the thirty one under thirty one right. episode, like in the top fifteen. Um, but so yeah, I just have her as like a hacking coffee drinking like internet scouring like her room that she has set up looks like she's about to like tap into morpheus or or neo in the matrix <laughs> and just be like i've been watching you like and she's drinking coffee out of her thermos all weird and everything i was just like the black fingernails too i'm just like we don't need this and especially too then once she gets to the brian uh tyree character he's like all right so tell me what you think and she's like well I think that Apex is keeping a secret. And he's like, me too. Let's team up. And I'm just like, really? This is what you've like transformed your whole room into figuring out? I just, Millie Bobby Brown, love ya. Can't wait for Stranger Things season four. Cutter. Cutter. Um, okay. <laughs> this will be fun. I hope we don't step on each other's um, claws here too much. But <laughs> drive and double feature. Where are we going? Uh, I'm going with Alien versus Predator. Okay. Uh, another another monster versus monster. Where movie. a giant hole is drilled into, into the, the ice in Antarctica. Absolutely. Uh, the humans are, are ridiculous. Uh, there there are some some cool spectacle scenes like the the face hugger flying through the air. In the slow huge motion. temple and their version of Hollow Earth. The, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They go to they go to uh, just above Hollow Earth, shallow Earth, <laughs> not Hollow Earth. Um, <laughs> 
and and you know the queen at the end chasing through the snow like it's a big monster so i i think you're gonna like both of those i'm i'm probably showing that one first and then ending on on king zilla versus and i think i may be stepping on your toes here but i'm gonna say pacific rim yeah that was mine i got backups i got backups don't worry tell me tell me why it's pacific Uh, Pacific rim Rim just because if you want a big old monster movie fight sequence a kaiju movie that's what a kaiju movie is supposed to you want like. some mo- you want some monsters fucking shit up with no like retaliation boom pacific rim is your thing godzilla versus kong does a great thing of big monster fights it's awesome but if you want a human element that actually has some heart has some good fucking emotion behind it and every character that's in it which was is very surprising when you watch pacific rim is Pacific Rim. It has some great emotion into it. So I say that's a great one-two punch of something that will get you emotionally involved and the other one is like, eh, let me just watch some shit beat each other up. So, or, or you come to my drive-in and it's fight night, right? It's yeah. fight night. And you got the per- preliminaries with, with Alien and, and Predator and then you got the main event. Okay, I like that too. Um, <laughs> no, I had Pacific Rim though because I'll just talk about it a little bit and then pivot to another one of mine. But I really liked it because in that movie... Um, GDT just takes the extra second to explain kind of all the little things that you as like, I get it. If you're like 13, 14 watching Godzilla versus Kong, you're not really thinking about like all the destruction that these monsters are causing while fighting. Whereas in Pacific Rim, equal amounts of destruction are happening. And yet at the same time, he takes two seconds. Literally, that's all it takes for like when Charlie's character goes into the Kaiju shelter. Like these cities have built plans and like resistance to try to you know minimize casualties when one of these things happen this movie is just very sloppy um you know with with basically all their little minute details that really when you're analyzing the movie like we are um or that anybody as any film critic is just going to be like you all you needed to do is spend two more seconds on this the kaiju brain linking thing we already talked about that just makes a lot more sense in that movie and what this movie was missing was the Idris Elba character mm. from Pacific Rim, yep. where none of these humans, Skarsgård's not like rallying the troops in this movie. Rebecca Hall's not rallying the troops in this movie. Idris does in that movie, and it's fucking awesome. I went back and rewatched it, and I think I sent you guys a snap of his like doomsday speech, basically. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm ready to run through a fucking wall right now. Like, Idris is great in that movie. Um, so for my double feature, though, I'll take it back, and we already talked about this movie a little bit too, but I'll just say the Peter Jackson King Kong. I really like that movie. Um, Fantastic. It, it really is. Um, it, and I like it too because in that movie you get plenty of other monsters. It's not just like, like yeah, you get um, you know the, the whole human story and everything like that. But when he's fighting those two T-Rex – and he goes, I, I, I don't know, and maybe this was like used in other King Kong movies or whatever, but that move of like straddling, whether it's Godzilla, because he tries to do it to, in this movie and ends up doing it to Mecha Godzilla and prying the jaw back. Yeah. That's the first time I saw it was in the Peter Jackson movie when he does that with the two T-Rexes. And then he plays with them kind of like they're little yep. puppets or something and makes that's, their just like jaws clap. That is from the 1933. Yeah, it's, yep. a, it's a classic classic Kong, Kong trope. trope yeah yeah uh so I, I just love i love what peter jackson did with that movie and the fact that that was like his first project coming off of um lord of the rings it, i feel like it's kind of a forgotten if he hadn't been like the lord of the rings director that movie would be revered even greater than it is right now i think yeah i i would also say like go try 
try. It's like three and a half hours. But the behind the scenes documentary on the King Kong, if you have the physical media on the on the DVD or the Blu-ray, like is spectacular. Spectacular stuff to watch. Granted, all of Peter Jackson's his behind the scenes stuff is just great. I mean, and the Lord of the Rings stuff is great, but King Kong, he started working on King Kong before he got Lord of the Rings. Like that that wow. King Kong is his like pet project. Like that that's the movie that made him want to be a director when he saw it as a child and like he started work on that like in 96 or something and and, and had to put it aside because of Lord of the Rings and then came back and it's just fantastic. It wasn't stuff. Jack Pe- Black lucky? <laughs> people criticize people criticize the Peter Jackson King Kong as being too like the original. But that's and what it's, it's trying. No, but that's what he was trying to. Yeah. Do. He wanted to be. I remember sitting in the theater with my dad and my grandfather, and how the credits showed up with the background that the credits had. My grandfather was like, "I've never been in a movie." That made me feel like I was in the movies of when I would go see a movie back yeah. in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. And this is back in 2005. So, yeah, that it's a great testament of... It's a great love letter. It's, it's yeah, fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so now our seventh and final category. What will this film's legacy be? What are the, what are the legs we got here? Scaly, furry? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I so Toho and Legendary... Uh, had a three-movie deal for the character of Godzilla. That has now ended. I'm pretty sure, uh, and Derek can maybe back me up on this, but we've done some research that Toho will be taking Godzilla's rights back. So we won't be getting another Godzilla movie, at least for right now. Dude, he went into the water like a punk bitch at the end of this. (laughs) A a connected Godzilla movie. Yeah, so I think the legendary version of Godzilla is is done. And the legendary franchise, MonsterVerse, I mean, they could continue with Khan and Hollow Earth. There, um, there's a huge hashtag right now that's trending, which is continue the MonsterVerse. Well, that's going to happen with every single movie now. Of course. Of course it is. <laughs> and no, no, I, I don't think they should. I, I think this is a good... If they want to do Khan, they can keep doing Khan. But, like, I think this is a fine trilogy to go out on for Godzilla Let's let's put him away for a little bit, and we'll we'll come back and 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 try and retool him in in ten years or so. And I'm, I'm. I, all... I, oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No. Continue. Also, I, the legs of this franchise, I think it will be, it will eventually be forgotten. It will become like the Transformer movies. I think. I I agree with you on that. I think that this will be forgotten if they don't continue it in the right way. I think it's very easy for them. To do that, if they don't capitalize on Godzilla, at the same time, I think Godzilla is worn out. I think we, we've utilized what Godzilla is. He is that monster that just comes out of the sea, does something, and goes back. It's either to... He's fucking Tim Duncan with the bank shot. He's yeah. old and he's busted, but he just has to breathe he's fire. He's the greatest. He just has he's to just, breathe fire. He's just, no, he's coming in to rectify things and then leaves he comes in to rectify things and then he leaves he comes in to rectify things and then he leaves yeah tim duncan or every other year wins the championship or in the old school he just comes out for no fucking reason and just destroys shit now with what they've set up with this universe i think they knew what they were doing of godzilla goes into the sea we'll see what we can do with him down the line if we can get the rights back but we open up this whole universe of Kong in the hollow earth doing something. 
I think well, it's, monarchs in Middle Earth now too. So I don't know. I mean, it, it was really tough to get like two or three people through that 2001 Space Odyssey well, no, the, Stargate thing, so, and now we so, got a whole. Well, the, the, well the, Brendan Fraser gave him the, the map, and they, here's they a huge out. plot. Millie Bobby like, Brown hit up Morpheus for the red pill. The red some, pill takes you to the center of the earth. This is a big plot hole I have with the movie, which is I have many, but I don't care because of the type <laughs> of movie it is. But how do you spend so much time getting to Hollow Earth and then all of a sudden fucking Godzilla just breathes a hole down into it? And then, man hits you with that bank shot. And then just it. just That's come right out of it and One it's trick totally pony. fine. I wonder if I, that, that fire hit shallow Earth on its way to Hollow Earth. <laughs> Took out woke, some aliens, baby. Woke up some uh, facehugger eggs. Oh, knows? Yeah, who knows? Kong versus the Xenomorph. When, when it comes to legs, I think it's either you stop it now Kong has his own thing, or it's that's it. I don't. I I really don't see this universe progressing. I would love it to, because I love Skull Island. I loved the Godzilla King of Monsters. I even loved this movie. But at the same time, I don't know what else you can do with it. I think you've kind of maybe hit the point unless you can create a new monster. You can do one more movie where Kong is defending the Hollow Earth. That's it. I and I, I think it, no Godzilla. It's just a con movie, or, or something from the Hollow Earth escapes and goes to the surface, and Kong has to go up, and then yeah. maybe Godzilla comes out. But also at the same time, to me, there is no other vision other than if you don't create a new monster, this story has run its course, and that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. You have more IPs. You have more things to focus on. It's fine. Make or do what Cloverfield did. Make a new monster. Do something new. Move Take on. Take it to space. It's always the answer, right? That's what Fast and the Furious is doing. Take it to um, space. So for me, I think that the legacy, and I'm just going to look at this in like a, a, a lesser universal way, and I'm just going to look at it at face value, which is surprisingly enough, this movie's legacy will be pretty fucking great. Because it's this movie, not Wonder Woman, not Tenet, not the Snyder Cut, but Godzilla versus King Kong that will go down in the history books is the movie that reopened theaters after the pandemic. And that's not – I'm not talking about the monsterverse at all right now. I'm not right. talking about its place in the, the canon of – no, of other movies. But when people look at what – restarted the box office what was the aed defibrillator that came in and saved everything it was the heave on the chest of the movie industry that was godzilla versus king kong i mean we'll see what numbers are like after this week but pretty close we're going to be pretty close to 100 million dollars it's already been released and it's the best hbo direct distributing block oh and in the conversation it that it's um you know, like it, the place in the movie discourse that it's had, my family and I talked about this movie in a joking way, but for like 30 minutes yesterday at Easter, like it's just, it's, it took over for, for a, a solid week and will continue to, I believe. So that concludes our episode for today. <laughs> we know this film has lived in that discourse for a solid week now, and we're a little late to the party, but excuse the intermission bouts to no one. We are the podcast whisperer. <laughs> But seriously, despite um, all the holes that we've poked in this film and the fun that we've had, it truly was great to see a film do so well across our country and dominate conversation. It almost, almost feels like we're returning to some semblance of normalcy. 
Thank you so much to Derek Schneider for making us sound good. And of course, thank you to you, our wonderful listeners. We love all the interactions, of course, with you guys. So thanks for liking the post and, of course, subscribing and reviewing wherever you are listening. We really, really appreciate it so much show, so much so that next week's show is basically being written by you. In the wake of all the feedback that we got on our March Madness Film Bracket series, we decided it was time for a mailbag episode. So last week, we opened up a prompt on our IG inviting you guys to ask us anything that you wanted to know. The responses have been phenomenal, and we can't wait to record that episode. We will open our DMs back up once more this weekend for any last-minute questions before recording this upcoming Monday. And if you're not quite sure what we mean by a mailbag episode, it's basically an open form for you to ask us anything movie-related. Could be who's our favorite actor. Could be who's our least favorite actor. Why do people always run upstairs in horror films when the back door is right there for a clear escape? It doesn't matter. Uh, and it doesn't have to be movie related either. Ask Grant what his favorite beer is. It's I, I can tell you. <laughs> it's wet. It's wet. That's what it is. Yeah, uh, Johnny Utah, maybe uh, CDA hey, save from Seven Seas. Who knows? Monday. I don't know. I don't know. Ask Max how many podcasts he's actually on. <laughs> I don't think he knows that answer either. Nope. Um, so anything is welcome, and all will be answered. If you're headed out to the theaters, remember to stay safe and wear a mask. And until next time, we will see you in Hollow Earth. Stay swell and give them hell. Drink movies and watch beer.